Our Father who is in heaven. Morning, Dan. Morning, Jesus. You're that big brother we've always wanted. Morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you for moving in. Hallowed be your name in our worship today. May your name be lifted up. In, in, our, in our lives this week, may we treasure your name. In, in, in our thanksgiving, may we lift up and treat your name as holy. Your kingdom come. King Jesus, may we follow you this week. King Jesus, we pray that the gospel of the kingdom would spread around the world and all would hear the gospel of the kingdom. And then, King Jesus, we, we long for that day when you come back and your kingdom is here in all of its fullness, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. Give us the desire and the power to do God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And as others see you change us, may you draw others to you. Give us this day our daily bread. You know our financial needs as, as people and families and as a church meet our needs. Oh, our relational needs, forgive us our debts. Oh, Lord, those things we did and said and thought and didn't do this week, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Lord, may we release those that have wronged us, remove that spirit of bitterness from our hearts. Keep us from temptation, deliver us, Deliver us from the evil that's inside us in our flesh. Deliver us from the evil that surround us in the world, always trying to squeeze us into its mold. Deliver us from the evil one. And we pray as we open your word together today that you would teach us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. It was many years ago I heard Jesus knocking on the door of my heart, and I welcomed Jesus into my life as Savior and Lord, and when Jesus moved in, I discovered that he was giving me three new loves, a great love for Jesus. For the first time in my life, I really loved his word, and I wanted to read his word and study his word because I wanted to know Jesus and follow him. Do you love Jesus? And then I found that when Jesus moved in, I had a new love for his church, a love for one another, and I wanted to gather and encourage and be encouraged, and I still have that love for one another, don't you? And then I found that I had a new love for lost people. I began to think of all my family and friends who didn't know Jesus, and I wanted to bring them to Jesus. Don't you have people you want to bring to Jesus? I wanted to, but I didn't know how to share my faith. And then, then I learned how to share my faith, and what a game changer that was in my life, because I realized that Jesus could use someone like me to introduce my family and friends to Christ. And I want you to know that you can too. You can too. You can, and we can help you. We can help you the... The point of the message today is that disciples 
learn the gospel. Disciples learn the gospel. And the reason disciples learn the gospel is because disciples love lost people. And disciples want to see their friends and family members come to Christ. And so they learn the gospel because they love lost people, just like Jesus does. If you're new, we're, we're doing a series of messages that, are, that is called the fishing, um, the fishing Trip Series that we're learning from Jesus, that Jesus gathered some disciples and he taught them how to fish and he's teaching us as well. And so what we're going to learn in this series is we're going to let Jesus equip us to fish for men. Now, I like that. I mean, I like to eat fish. But when they're flapping around... I can't kill it because fishermen take living things and kill them. But you know what's so cool with Jesus? Is when we partner with Jesus, we see those who were dead come to life. Isn't that cool? Jesus equips us to fish for men to see dead people come to life. And, and we're going to learn a simple gospel outline, outline that we can use in any Gospel conversation about the bad news and the good news and how we receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. And, and we're also going to learn how important it is that we team up with others to go fishing. Dave spoke last week. He did a great job, talked about how important that we fish together with a net. And he told us a story about Jesus and how he began to assemble a team together that after about 18 months of, of being with many of his disciples, he called his disciples to take a next step like he calls us. And so he said to Peter and Andrew and to James and John, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so they dropped everything for the opportunity to catch people. So Jesus called them and now he's taking his disciples on a fishing trip and he's bringing us with them. We get to watch Jesus fish for people. Are, are there people that you'd like to see come to faith in Christ? Come on, let's go on this trip that Jesus takes with his disciples to train them and train us how to fish for people. Mark, if you have your gospel, turn there with me. Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> Verse 21, the first fishing trip. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. So look at this verse a little bit and see how it says they. They would have included Jesus and Andrew and Peter and James and John and perhaps others. They went into Capernaum. Let me show you where Capernaum is. Capernaum is on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. See it up to the top? If you go down below Jerusalem, there is Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born. But Jesus' family was from Nazareth. See where Nazareth is? That was his hometown. But when Jesus began his public ministry, when he went into Nazareth, they kind of, uh, they kicked him out. So he's setting up. He's setting up his home base for his fishing trips. His home base for ministry is in Capernaum. Now, I know some people say Capernaum, but I want you to know all intelligent people say Capernaum, okay? <laughs> um, I don't know which it is. I just always say it co uh, confidently. That's what I do. 
they went into Capernaum, and notice, immediately on the Sabbath. The, the Sabbath was Saturday. It was Saturday, but here's how Jewish people counted Saturday. It went from midnight on Friday to midnight on Saturday. Not like us from sunrise, you know, like starting at midnight to, no, it was from sundown to sundown. Here's why that's important. When the sun went down on Friday, they spent all their time preparing for worship on Saturday morning. Do you think Sunday morning would be different if we spent Saturday night preparing for Sunday morning? So for them, the highlight was Saturday morning, so they spent Friday night preparing that they could gather on Sunday and worship. So it was the Sabbath, and notice they entered the synagogue. So on the first fishing trip, Jesus is taking his disciples, and he's going to show them how to fish for prepared people. The, the people in the synagogue, they were prepared people. They knew the Bible. They were looking for the Messiah. He was taking them to show them how to witness to prepared people, how to teach them. He was equipping them to reach uh, religious people. Now, the synagogue is where Jewish people gathered to worship and for instruction, for worship and instruction. Matter of fact, the word synagogue uh, comes from a Greek word, which is synagogue, which means to gather. It was a place to gather. It was where Jewish people gathered for worship and for instruction. Uh, let's go back a little bit. Some of you know when Israel came out of Egypt. When Israel came out of Egypt, and they first of all, they built a, they built a tabernacle, right? So you had a tabernacle, and a tabernacle was a tent. It was a tent where God met with his people. And then after 40 years, they eventually got to the promised land, and then they built a, come on, they built a temple. And it was a permanent place, and that's where God dwelt among his people. And then in 586 B.C., the Babylonians come, and Nebuchadnezzar comes. And when Nebuchadnezzar comes, he tears down Jerusalem, and he tears down the temple. So the people were taken captive into Babylon. And in Babylon, they began to form synagogues. Everyone didn't own a copy of the Bible. So they would gather together in a synagogue for worship and for instruction from God's Word, where God's Word would be read and people would be instructed. And so when they go back to Israel after the captivity, there are synagogues in different cities. There's a synagogue in Capernaum, and Jesus had a practice on the Sabbath. He would usually be in a synagogue, and he would usually be teaching. And by the way, where do you think the idea of churches gathering to meet for worship and instruction came from? They came from the Jewish synagogue. The early church met much like Jewish people. They met to gather like we're doing now for worship and instruction. goes all the way back to there, right? So they began, they entered the synagogue and began to teach that, that they would read the Old Testament and then Jesus would stand up and teach. They were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them uh, as one having authority and not as the scribes. When Jesus taught, they said, wow, wow, we've never heard anything like this. 
here's what they were used to. See the word scribes? Scribes were a subsect of the Pharisees. They were experts in the law, and, and, and they would copy the law, and they would teach the law, but the way they would teach is they would quote rabbi such and such and rabbi such and such and rabbi such and such, so that's what they were used to. Along comes Jesus. Many of you know this in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember how Jesus would say like in Matthew 5, how Jesus would say in Matthew 5, you have heard that the ancients were told. Do you see that first part? That's how they were instructed. You heard that rabbi said this and rabbi said this. This is what you've heard. You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder and whoever mur commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you. And that just absolutely shocked them. Jesus says, here's what you've heard. The sixth commandment was all about, but it's so much more than what you ever thought. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Have you ever been angry? Starting to get a little nervous? And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing? Ooh, did you know that was a violation of the sixth commandment too, did you? And whoever shall say... Uh, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool. I mean, do you drive, do you? You fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So along comes Jesus. And he says, this is what you've been told. But I say to you, this is what God's word means. This is what the sixth commandment really means. So you know, notice the first part. You have heard the ancients were told, but I say to you. Now, a little bit later in verse 27... Now he says, you have heard that it was said. This is what you've heard, right? This is what you've heard about the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, here's what the intent was of the seventh commandment. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow, they were shocked. They had never heard anyone teach like this. But the next thing I'm going to show you is what really blew their minds. Now, before we look at it, here's what would happen in a synagogue. The Bible would be read, then someone would teach. And when someone would teach, if they believed the teaching was true, the elders would say, amen, amen. That meant this is true. You follow me? Bible's read. Someone taught, the elders would confirm it. Truly, truly, or amen, amen. Now let's look how Jesus taught. In John chapter 6, verse 47, Jesus starts out with what? Truly, truly. So Jesus gets up, and after the Bible is read, he says what? Amen, amen. <laughs> He's not waiting for them, right? He's not waiting for them to confirm it. He's saying, this is the word of God. Whenever Jesus says that, just remember that. He's saying that at the beginning, not them confirming at the end. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has everlasting life. So they said, we've never seen anyone. We've never seen anyone who started what they said by saying, truly, truly, who is this? So Jesus is teaching, they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, this is the first demon-possessed man we read in the, in the Gospels. 
um, the first demon that Jesus is going to cast out. If you study the Bible, most of the demonic activity you see in the Bible is right here when Jesus was here. That conflict between Jesus and the devil is seen in all the demonic activity when Jesus was here. And I know some of you are new and you're saying, well, what's this demon stuff? Some of you were here a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the devil. We have an enemy, the devil, and we learned that the devil is an angel. The devil was created, a created being, an angel who once was in the presence of God. But the devil, Lucifer, Satan, was not content to be a creature and wanted to be God. So Satan rebelled against God, tried to overthrow God, and other angels joined him. And the angels who joined them in their rebellion against God are demons, and they were cast out of heaven. I want to clarify this for you, okay? Good people don't die and get wings and become angels, right? And like bad people don't die and get pitchforks and become demons, no, no, those angels that remain loyal to God and serve him are angels, and the angels who join Satan in his rebellion, they are demons. And you say, well, what are demons about? Notice the question that he asked. They cried out saying, what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? I love that question, what business? Because what is the business of demons and the devil? The business of demons and the devil is to devour and destroy. The business of the devil and demons is to devour and destroy people. And what is the business of Jesus? The business of Jesus is to seek and save the lost. So they cried out, What business um, do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. Notice the demon knows who Jesus is. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. How did the demon know who Jesus is? Now, I'd never thought about this this week. I'm having lunch with a pastor this week, and we're talking about this passage, and what he said just shocked me. You, you know how the demon knew, right? Because at one time, the demon was where? Was in heaven, and at one time, he saw God the Son above, right? So he saw God the Son above, and now he saw him below, and he recognized him. Now, good theology, in good theology, we ask the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And we say, well, Jesus is fully God and fully man, right? That he's fully God and fully man, two natures in one person. And what's interesting in this passage is this demon had very good theology. He believed in the deity of Christ. Notice he says, you are the Holy One of God. You are God, fully God, the Holy One of God. And notice too, he understood the humanity of Jesus. He said, you are Jesus of Nazareth. Your mother is Mary. You're fully human, fully God and fully man. So if the demon has good theology and understands that Jesus is fully God and fully man, is the demon saved, is he? Come on, help me out. Is he? Well, why not? So, so let's, look, let's look at another verse to, to help this a little bit, okay? I mean, good theology is important, but it doesn't 
save us, right? In, in James chapter 2, verse 19, we read, You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So do you believe that God is one? That's a really good thing. <laughs> but listen, even the demons believe in one true God, and they shudder, which is beyond many people. But are the demons saved? Are they? Well, wait a minute, Smiley. You confuse me because you say if we believe in Jesus, we have eternal life, and we read here that they believe, but they're not saved. So what is saving faith? What is saving faith? What is the difference between saving faith and what the demons have? Listen, saving faith, we love to say, is as simple as A, B, C. Saving faith begins when we admit that we are sinners. Saving faith begins when we believe the bad news of the gospel, that we are sinners. Matter of fact, Romans 3.23, will you read this with me? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's do that one more time. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Have you noticed in our culture that people are divided? And do you know how they're divided? Some people believe there are good people and bad people. And so the good people are mad at the bad people. But what does the Bible say? That we're what? We're all scarred by sin, right? For all of sin. Saving faith begins when we don't think other people are bad and we're good, but we understand we're all flawed. We're all sinners. That's what we all have in common, right? That we've all done things and said things and thought things we shouldn't have, right? Saving faith begins when we understand we're sinners that we've sinned against God and we're in big trouble. Do, do you realize that? That's the A, that we admit the bad news is true of us, not just true of others, but we're sinners. Saving faith in the, involves to believe. It's to believe that Jesus is the Savior and, and, and He's our Savior. Isn't that what John 3.16 teaches? Come on, let's read this verse together, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So the believe part means we believe that Jesus is God who became a man, who lived a perfect life, went to the cross, died on our sins, rose, and offers us eternal life. So saving faith begins with the A, we admit that we're sinners and we can't save ourselves. It moves on to the believe. We believe that Jesus died and rose for us, but it also involves the C, the commit. That's what makes it saving faith. That's when we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord. I'll try and illustrate that. I have a pretty nice looking chair here, don't I? Looks like it would hold me up, doesn't it? But why isn't it holding me up? I'm not sitting in it, right? And so really, to really believe it would hold me up is to sit in it and think, wow, this is really a good chair. This chair really can support me, right? Now I believe, don't I? So, in a similar way with many people, do you believe, do you believe 
that, that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Yes. Do you believe he could forgive someone? Yes. Do you believe he could save someone? Yes. Get in the chair. No. When faith becomes saving faith is when we sit in the chair. When we admit. There was a day in my life where I admitted, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you haven't, won't you? And then there was a day where I said, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Have you? And then there was a day where I said, Jesus, I committed, Jesus, I'm going to trust in you. No more trying to be a good person. No more trying to save myself. No, I'm going to trust that what you did on the cross for me was sufficient. I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And I also trusted Jesus as Lord. I said, Jesus, I surrender to you. And, and I want you to be Lord of my life. And from this day forward, as you give me strength, I will follow you. Have you? See, that's where it becomes saving faith. We admit, we believe, and then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Yes, in our passage here, the demon understood who Jesus is, but the demon did not have saving faith. Picking back up in the story, <clears throat> we read, And Jesus rebuked them, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Notice how he rebuked the, the demon, and, and he said, Be quiet. Well, why would he tell him to be quiet? Because Jesus didn't come to seek and save demons. He came to seek and save us. And what Jesus wants is with our lips that we acknowledge him as Savior and Lord. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. Now notice what we see here is a, is a spiritual battle between Jesus and and a demon, but it's not a battle between two equals, is it? One word, one word, and out comes the, de the demons. I want us to see here, Jesus is showing the disciples and us what the gospel is, that Jesus came to save us from sin for forgiveness. Isn't it nice to be forgiven? He came to save us from death for life doing life and eternity with and for Jesus. He came to save us from being held captive by the devil to being set free from the devil. They were all amazed so that they debated among themselves, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. They couldn't get over this Jesus. They had never seen anything like him. Immediately, Mark's favorite word, the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. And everyone went out and began to share what they had seen and heard. Wouldn't that be great if that happened here? Wouldn't it? That immediately they went out everywhere and shared with others what they had seen and heard. So this is Jesus' first fishing trip. 
He's called them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. He's brought them with him into a synagogue so that they could learn how to share their faith with prepared people, with religious people. They had seen him cast a demon out of someone. They observed that Jesus has authority, authority in his teaching and authority over demons. They would walk with him for a couple more years and and learn many more things and go on many more fishing trips. And then Jesus would die and then Jesus would rise. And before Jesus ascends into heaven, he gathers his disciples together. And in Matthew 28, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, how much authority? One more time, how much? Yeah, and... And all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And don't you know the disciples were saying yes? Don't you know that? Because they had seen what? They had seen what? Him teach with authority, hadn't they? And they had seen him what? Have authority over demons and cast them out. They'd seen it, hadn't they? And, and what else had they seen? They saw, they saw how he had authority over sickness as he healed people, right? And they saw how he had authority over nature. He calmed the sea and the wind, right? And they saw how he conquered death because they had seen him crucified, and now he's alive. So he says, all authority in heaven and has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, because I have authority. Go in my authority. And, um, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and introduce people to me. And then teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Teach those that are one to Christ how to follow me. And lo, remember, look, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so those disciples, confident that they had been given authority, went out and began to tell everyone about Jesus, to spread the gospel. And that's what Jesus wants us to do, too, to go out in his authority. So let me show you, let me show you some of that authority that Jesus gives to us as we go out to share the gospel. The reason disciples learn the gospel is there's power in the gospel, And so we read in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. See the word power? The Greek word for that is the word dunamis. What do you think we get from that? If we believe that we had been given dynamite that could change people's lives, wouldn't we want to learn about it? Wouldn't we? Listen, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to, to who? To everyone. That means the gospel can save anyone or everyone, can change Saul into Paul, can save me, can save anyone, because it's the dynamite of God. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Um. Disciples learn the gospel because we realize that's our authority, that's our power. It's not in us. The power is in the gospel. That's why Charles Spurgeon said that the gospel is like a lion. It doesn't need to be defended. It just needs to be let out of its cage. That's our job is to let the lion out. The lion can take care of himself. Talking about Spurgeon, another great Spurgeon story. Spurgeon was a great preacher and evangelist. One Sunday, he's a guest speaker in a church, but he's late getting there. He's late getting there. His grandfather's also a preacher, so his grandfather's on the stage, on the platform, when uh, preaching when Charles Spurgeon starts walking down the aisle. This is really good. 
his grandfather says, here comes Charles Spurgeon. He can preach the gospel better than I can, but he can never preach a better gospel than I can. How many of us are so intimidated because we're thinking, you know, other people can share the gospel better than I can, and I want you to know they can. But no one, no one can ever share a better gospel than you can. Because when you share the gospel, what you're sharing with people is the dynamite of God. The power's in the gospel, not in us. That's our authority. We go out with God's power with his dynamite. But this is kind of like a Ronco commercial, okay? That's not all. Wait, there's more. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said this in, in Acts 1, verse 8, but you will receive power. Now, just take a wild guess what the word for power is there, huh? It is dunamis. You know what? The word is the same word that you will receive power that's talking about the power of the gospel. So I want you to notice, but you will receive power, dynamite power. There's power given to us. That's our authority. And that power comes with a person when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You are given power. The power is in a person. And the power is given to you for a purpose. And you shall be my witnesses. You and you and you. This is a y'all thing, okay? We're living in the New Testament. You do understand the New Testament, right? In the Old Testament, only a few people were given the Holy Spirit. Only the prophet and the priest and the king. Only a few were given the Spirit for ministry. But in the New Testament, every Christian has been empowered for ministry. All of us have been given supernatural power in the Holy Spirit to be as witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. How many of us think we have double dynamite? We have double dynamite. The reason disciples learn the gospel is it's dynamite. The reason we go out and share is we know it's the Holy Spirit who converts people. He's dynamite. So, Disciples learn the gospel because they believe the gospel is the dynamite of God. It's the power of God. The power is in the gospel and not in us. Listen, disciples learn the gospel because they believe the Holy Spirit helps us to learn the gospel and share the gospel. And so this week, this week, what our action step is, what I want you to do this week is I want you to read the gospel. And I want you to pray the gospel. And I want you to share the gospel. Now, uh, some of you have a method of sharing the gospel, and so that's what I want you to do. I want you to read the gospel and pray the gospel and share the gospel. And those of you who don't have a method, I'd like to give you a method. Well, Smiley, I don't like your method. Well, if you don't have one, I like mine better than yours, okay? <laughs> These Do You Know booklets are, are on the table as you head out the door. They're not meant to be given to someone. They're meant to be read to someone. They're meant to be shared. They're meant to guide a conversation, a gospel conversation. Um, I'm learning from Jesus to go first, and so this week, 
this week, every day this week, what I did this week is when I was spending time with Jesus, I read the gospel to myself. I read through this every day this week. I just started out and I read, do you know for sure that you have eternal life, that you're going to be with God in heaven? If God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? I read the gospel and then I prayed the gospel. Oh Lord, who would you have me to share this with? Lord, open up the conversations. And, and, and what I found when I read the gospel and I prayed the gospel and I had prayed and prepared, how many more opportunities I saw to share the gospel? You know why? Because prepared people and prayed up people, guess what? They see more opportunities. And so I want you to pray the to pray the gospel this week, and then I want you to, to uh, I want you to read and then pray and then share. Now I want you to know <clears throat> that you need a three-minute version. I have a three-minute version that I can share with someone in three minutes because sometimes I have three minutes. And I have an eight-minute version because sometimes I have eight minutes. But my favorite version is to have an hour version where I'm having lunch with someone. And I'm just sitting down and we're having a conversation and the Do You Know booklet just guides the conversation. Now, some of you say, well, what would that look like? So I've invited Bob. I'm going to invite Bob. If Bob will come up here, let's give Bob a hand. He's going to come up and help me out a little bit. So, Bob, how have you been doing? All right, but, um, you know, sometimes life can get stressful and difficult. It seems hard sometimes. <laughs> Man, it really, really is hard, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Could I share with you, with you something that's really helped me when life just seems to be so hard? Sure, sure, that'd be good. What's been most helpful for me has been really having faith in Jesus Christ. So could I ask you a question about your own spiritual life? Sure. Okay, so, so Bob... Do you know for sure that you have eternal life, that is, that you're going to be with God in heaven? Well, for sure? I don't know. I don't know if I do or not. Okay. Well, let me ask you one more question. Bob, if God were to ask you, why should I let you in to heaven, what would you say? Well, I try to be nice to people. I try to be a good person. So I guess he would say, yeah, you know, you're a good person. <laughs> so you would say that you've been a pretty good person. Yeah, I think. You ever wondered how good would be good enough? Mm. No, but now I have. <laughs> <laughs> that used to always worry me until I heard something that was really good news. Could I share that with you? Sure. You see, to have eternal life, we must understand the bad news of the gospel. And the bad news is that we have all sinned against God and are in big trouble. Bob, would you read what the Bible says in Romans 3.23? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So who does the Bible say has sinned? Wow, it says all. <laughs> Do you know what sin is? Doing something wrong, I guess. <laughs> have you ever done something wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to answer oh, yes to that, too. Me, too. Man, Jesus said it could be something we say. Sometimes I say the meanest things. You ever say something mean? Jesus said it could be our thoughts. Man, I have the worst thoughts. You ever have bad thoughts? I guess I do. And things we do. I mean, I've never robbed a bank, but I used to steal server's tips. Have you ever stolen anything? Yeah. Ugh. 
See, see, the bad news is that we've all sinned against God and are in big trouble. Um, and, and it goes on, the penalty for sin is eternal death. The reason we're in trouble is we've sinned against God, and, and the penalty is eternal death, which is separation from God and from all good things. Would you read the part in blue from Romans 6.23? For the wages of sin is death. Okay, so if God gave us what we deserve, what does this Bible say? It says that I've sinned, so therefore I deserve the death. That sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? It sounds very bad. <laughs> See, all of us have sinned against God, and if God gave us what we deserve, we'd be separated from Him, wow, for all of eternity. Uh, so the bad news is we've all sinned against God and are in big trouble. Ready for some good news? Yeah. You see, once we understand the bad news, the good news is really, really good. And the good news is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave and offers us the free gift of eternal life. So let me unpack that for you just a little bit, Bob. Jesus is God. God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, would you read John 1, 14? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, dwelt among us. And we saw his glory as of uh, the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we communicate with one another how? Well, we talk. We talk, and when we talk, we use? Language. Language. We use words. words. There we go. Yeah. And so we communicate through language, through words. Yeah. So when God chose to communicate to us, he did so through Jesus. That's why he's called the Word. Okay. So God became a man. Um, so Jesus is really God who became a man. He died on the cross for our sins. Um, matter of fact, would you read these verses here? For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for your, our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So why did Christ die then? He died for our sins. Right, and somehow I, I missed that. Uh, I guess I'd heard that, but, it, but I never really understood it. But what happened on the cross, Bob, was that Jesus took our sins upon himself. Wow. And he died in our place. Uh, and uh, he paid for the penalty in full. And the reason we know he paid it in full is because on the third day, he rose from the grave. And when he walked out of the grave, that was proving he had conquered sin and death for us. So the good news is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave and offers us the free gift of eternal life. Matter of fact, we, we already read the bad news here, so read all of Romans 6.23. First it'll be the bad news and then the good news. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You like gifts? <laughs> you bet. Especially free ones. And, and what eternal life really is, he offers to forgive our sins and to let us do life with him and for him and to do all of eternity with him. And our part in receiving this gift, our part is we receive this gift by faith. So, Bob, would you read John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So who does Jesus say has eternal life? Those that believe in him. Very good. And what it really means to believe in Jesus is to admit that we're sinners. I mean, I've done wrong things, have you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we figured that out. Oh, yes. And then believe that Jesus died and rose for us. And then to commit to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. And Bob, when I did that, when I trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord and received eternal life, that's really helped me deal with stress. Wow. To know that I'm forgiven. Yeah. 
turning over control of my life. Jesus is running my life so much better than I could. It, it's nice to follow him and not be in charge anymore. And it also what helps with stress is to realize that life here on earth, um, it is stressful sometimes, but one day <laughs> I will get to be in a better place. Eternity seems like a long time, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. So does this make sense to you? Yeah, it does. It does. Great. So would you like to receive the free gift of eternal life? Yeah, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Right. Man, who wouldn't? So, so, Bob, if this is something that, that you'd like to do, I could lead us in prayer and we could both tell Jesus what you just told me. Okay, great. Can we do that? Yeah. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for Bob, for bringing him, for our discussion, for helping him to understand that he's a sinner and, and that eternal life is a free gift received by faith. Bob, I want you to know that Jesus is here, far more concerned by the attitude of your heart than the words that you say, but I would ask you to repeat after me as we tell Jesus how you would like this gift. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge to you, I acknowledge to you that I have sinned against you, that I've sinned against you in many ways. In many ways. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. For my sins. And rose again. And rose again. And I want you to come into my life. And I want you to come into my life. And be my savior. And be my savior. And forgive me of all the sins. And forgive me of all my sins. And give me the gift. And give me the gift of eternal life. Of eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. And help me be the person. And help me to be the person. You want me to be. That you want me to be. And Jesus, I pray for Bob that you'd really assure him that when we believe you give us eternal life, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, Bob, I'm sure in your life you've prayed many prayers, but I really believe the prayer you just prayed will be the most important prayer you ever pray. Matter of fact, I'd love for you to read what Jesus said about what you've just done. Would you read that verse? Sure. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. So who does Jesus say has eternal life? People that believe in Jesus. And so, do you, first. so do you believe in him? Yes, I do. So what does he say about you? I have eternal life. Very good. So now, if Jesus asks you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? Because Jesus died for me, and I believe in him, and I've committed my life to him. So he, he allows me into heaven because his word tells me that. There you go. Yes. <laughs> So, Bob, this is a really big deal today. So today is a very special day. Today I received the free gift of eternal life. And I want you to date and sign this to remember the day that I put my faith in Christ. So if you'd sign this and, and uh, date it. Okay. And then I want you to take this home. And I'd like for you to read it every day this week because today it'll be easy to think it didn't really happen. And I think it'd be very helpful every day to remember the bad news and the good news. And I trusted Jesus. The bad news, the good news, I trusted Jesus. And Bob, here's a second one that I want you to take. Because okay. maybe there's someone you know who would love to hear what you learned today. And I really believe if you go and share it with someone else, it just might change their eternity, and it'll certainly make Jesus more real to you. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's give Bob a hand here. Thank you, Bob. Can you can take it, yes. Sometimes we think it's so hard. I'll never forget being trained and going out to lunch with someone, and, uh, and I was so confident in the Holy Spirit and so confident in the gospel. I said, would you like to receive this gift? And the person said, yes. And I said, you would? <laughs> oh, but since then, man, I have had hundreds, if not thousands, of conversations like that. And then, listen, the power is not in us. The power is in the gospel and in the Holy Spirit. But here's, just imagine this. Imagine this. A thousand people this week who get up and spend time with Jesus, and every day they read the gospel. 
A thousand people who get up every day not only read the gospel, but they pray the gospel. And they pray for an opportunity. And then go out and look for opportunities to share. You know what would happen? You know what could happen? Um, it, it says, um, immediately, immediately the news about Jesus spread everywhere in all the surrounding district of St. John's County. Wouldn't that be great? Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad you came to seek and save sinners. Thank you for, for dying and rising. Thank you for letting us watch you win others to you. Listen, if, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, won't you, won't you just admit to him, Lord, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And, and, and won't you believe? Well, I, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit? Oh, Jesus, be my Savior and, and forgive me and give me eternal life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, Lord, as your people, those of us who have eternal life, give us, give us a love for lost people. Give us a love. And then this week, Lord, may we read the gospel each day and pray the gospel. And may we go out to share the gospel believing we have double dynamite. We have both the gospel and your spirit. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.